Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Family is pastor. It is Wednesday night, Wednesday, the 22nd of July. It is midweek Bible study. Uh, I pray that you are doing well. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Pray that you're not only had a nice day, but you've had a great week thus far. Listen, we want to greet all of you in the name of Christ, our Savior, to our Mount Sinai family. Of course, we are uh, praying for you, thinking about you. I pray that you all are holding up well to all of our listeners abroad. We thank God for your presence once again in listening to this podcast and being a part of this teaching ministry uh, on a weekly basis. A couple of things that I want to mention. First and foremost, I want to send a shout out uh, to my aunt, uh, Sandra Taylor. Uh, Next Monday, I believe it is, uh, will be her last day as a Long Beach Transit bus driver. She has uh, worked for that company for 31 years uh, after she got out of the military and uh, has done a job uh, well done. And now she gets a chance to retire and kick back a little bit. So uh, I just want to send a shout out to her. Congratulations. Uh, Also want to mention, don't forget that this Saturday we do have two Zoom calls going on, one for brotherhood, one for sisterhood. And I want to announce publicly that next Wednesday, we will do Bible study via Zoom, via Zoom next Wednesday, and it will begin at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. We'll have prayer and Bible study from 6 until 7.15 next Wednesday night. Uh, So please be prepared for that. We'll send you all the information so you can dial in. For those who are interested, uh, we're going to start doing uh, Bible study a little differently, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, uh, two other things. We do have one of our brothers who uh, lost a family member, Deacon uh, Ernest Henderson. His aunt's funeral will be this upcoming Friday, this Friday, and it will be at um, Angela's Funeral Home at uh, 1 p.m., Angela's Funeral Home on Crenshaw at 1 p.m. There's a maximum of 50 people. Uh, I know he would appreciate it greatly if some of you were able to go out and support him. Uh, He is a deacon and an usher in the ministry. Uh, So for those of you who are able to go and support this family, we ask that you would do so. That address is 3875 South Crenshaw uh, Boulevard. Uh, So uh, Deacon Henderson, we're praying for you, Sister Troy, and for your family and uh, praying that God would soothe the hurt and the pain in which you guys are experiencing at this point in time. Last but not least, before we go into uh, prayer, uh, I wanna send a shout out to heaven for my buddy and my friend, Dr. Von W. Arterberry. Tomorrow would have been, I think I have this right, Mother Arterberry. I may be off by a year, but I think it would have been his 91st uh, birthday on tomorrow, the 23rd. Uh, He is my brother and my friend. I think of him often, uh, specifically as it pertains to some of the conversations we've had uh, over the years before the Lord took him home and uh, forever missed by me and I know as well by many of you. 
So uh, we're sending a shout out by way of the Holy Spirit to heaven uh, for the person of Dr. Von W. Arterbury. Amen. Mother, we're praying for you uh, as well. Listen, family, let's go uh, to the Lord in prayer and prepare our hearts for what thus said the Lord on tonight. God, how we bless and praise and thank you, Lord God, for uh, blessing us and keeping us in spite of ourselves. God, as we come before your presence, we come confessing our sins to you, Lord, uh, knowing, Lord, that we've missed the mark, that we've fallen short, that we've not done things according to your will, your way, or your word. Uh, and God, we come confessing them because we know you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, as we come tonight, we ask that you would touch the sick, the shut-in, Lord God, the folks who are laid out on beds of affliction. We ask a blessing uh, tonight, and we thank you, Lord God, for the prayers that you have answered on behalf of many who were sick or ill in the kingdom, and you've restored unto them their health, Lord God, and uh, lifted them from beds of affliction. God, we praise thee, but there are still others, Lord, who are in need of a blessing, uh, and we pray that you would meet them at the point of their need. God, we ask a blessing upon the bereaved hearts, Lord, those who uh, we know are struggling in the kingdom, Lord God. These, your sons, your daughters, Lord God, whose hearts are heavy because of the loss of a loved one. God, I pray right now that you would fill their heart with joy that is unspeakable and undeniable that can only come by way of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. I pray that you would lift up their bowed down heads. I pray that you would wipe the tears from their eyes. I pray, Lord God, that you would allow them to feel your presence like never before. Uh, and we'll be careful to praise and to bless your holy name. Now, God, tonight, we ask that you would just minister to our hearts, Lord God. Uh, minister to the needs of your people. Speak a word from heaven tonight by way of the Spirit, Lord God, that we might have uh, inclined and open hearts to receive it. We also ask a blessing upon the uh, first responders, praying for Minister King, praying for Dr. Christy Lundy, praying for Dr. Shamika and Dr. Eddie McGee, all of those, Lord God, who are on the front lines of this pandemic, Lord God. Uh, I know it is overwhelming for them uh, because it's overwhelming for us who are not even involved in that process, Lord God. So I pray that you give them the wherewithal to stand firm, knowing, Lord God, that they're in your protective custody. I pray right now, Lord God, all these things in Jesus, our Savior's name. The people of God, let us say together, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Uh, tonight, if you were turning your Bibles to the book of Colossians, Colossians in the New Testament, Colossians chapter three, there is a word from the Lord there uh, that uh, God has uh, pricked my mind, uh, inspired and encouraged my heart to share with his people tonight. That's Colossians chapter three, beginning at verse 15, these words are recorded. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, verse 17, 
And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. From those three verses, I'd like to use as a theme, as a focal point tonight, it's all up to me. It's all up to me. Amen. One of the most persistent and troubling problems that we must deal with, family, in our earthly walk rests in the realm of positive, cohesive, and constructive relationships. Relationships are challenging because we have to walk a parallel path between personality and principles. There are some people we will encounter who have larger than life personalities, but they lack principles by which they live. Principles in and of themselves mean very little unless those principles are built upon a foundation that is morally, ethically, and philosophically upright. Christ, dear friend, is the foundation. Who we are and how we conduct ourselves speaks louder than the words in which we speak. We are living in an interesting time. Debates over the most basic civil liberties are front and center on a daily basis. Social acceptance, economic fairness, and political affiliation has suppressed and stifled most, if not all, of the Christian values the church once stood for. Completely and unequivocally, those things have been pushed out of the house of God. Race, class, and gender have separated many of us into our isolated compartments in which we dare not express any biblical perspective of that which we see in the world today for fear of being ostracized or considered as someone spouting religious propaganda. When the balancing stick for all of the people of God should be the word of God. And his word is what we should use to align the rightness or the wrongness of situations, circumstances, and conditions in which we see in the world around us. The differences which we experience in relationships is not a matter of skin color, age difference, or even social economic disparities. It is a matter of the heart. And because we are the people of God, we have a new heart which manifests itself in a new life. There is no life apart from the heart. And a new life necessitates a new heart. So it is with the believer. The believer receives a new heart when he or she receives a new life. Now, the application of this new heart into this new life is predicated on us understanding that God has an expectation of the newness in which he has bestowed upon us that it manifests itself in our words and in our actions. Listen to me clearly. God has an expectation that because I am new, 
and he has engrafted me into a new life with a new heart, a new attitude, a new demeanor, a new way of thinking, a new way of reasoning, God has an expectation then that I would act new, but that's predicated on the activation and the manifestation of my new heart. Hmm. Yeah, anybody who goes and has a heart transplant uh, nine times out of 10 was experiencing some pretty debilitating health issues that even put them on the list to have a transplant. There are no doubt some health concerns and or issues that contributed to them being on the list. Well, in most cases, assuming that their body accepts the new heart, yeah, they should be able to, in relatively short order, know that there's something different now. They're breathing is different. Whatever the circumstances were that put them in that situation, I would like to believe, though I've never had a physical heart transplant, I'd like to believe that there's something different immediately that they're able to recognize. Well, guess what? All of us who are of the kingdom, all of us who are of God's uh, house, all of us who have proclaimed Christ as Savior, we have all undergone a heart transplant. And guess what? You ought to feel different. You ought to think different. You ought to behave differently because we've undergone a heart transplant. Let me share with you a couple of things. I want you to keep in mind the thought process. It's all up to me. It's all up to me. Yeah, th th this is a personal uh, plea today. Uh, here are a couple of things from verse 15, 16, and 17 that ought to uh, be connected to and ought to reflect a heart transplant, a spiritual heart transplant. The, the first thing is, is that we ought to be able to recognize the ruling of Christ, the ruling of Christ. The Bible says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. The solution to many, if not most of our problems of not exhibiting behavior that is appropriate as believers is rooted in the fact that we resist the dominating presence of God. We say that he is in charge of our lives and that he is the architect of our homes, but we fail to realize what those words truly mean. This is not an invitation to allow God to participate in my activities, but these words are indicative of the dominating, controlling, and ruling aspect of God's presence over my life. This can only happen if I surrender, if I acquiesce to him. Our tranquility family is not a problem of our environment or our circumstances, but rather of our character and our outlook. Turmoil within means turmoil without. Peace within 
means peace without. The person who is at peace with Christ will be at peace in life and with others. It is peace in the heart that will bring peace in the home, peace in the community, peace on the job and peace in the church. This is not to say that we won't have some trying things pop up from time to time, but it is possible to maintain a steadiness, an equilibrium of our walk and our mind because of the ruling quality of our inner life, which is determined by Jesus Christ. The word ruling here means to arbitrate. It means to have the peace of God as an umpire or moderator in our daily lives. God is the arbiter over the contending and warring thoughts and emotions of his children. Because we are renewed in Christ, it's all up to us. Yeah, it's it's all up to us. It's all up to me to have peace residing within me to compose and or control my emotional disputes and to settle within me my doubts and my fears. The peace is the peace of Christ and he alone possesses this peace. Therefore, a person can experience true peace only as we come to know Jesus. Yeah, you can't have peace because you have money. You cannot have peace because you have a nice Job. You cannot have peace because you got the finest sister or the most handsome man. Peace can only come by way of Jesus. That's a fact. Only Christ can bring real peace into the human heart. The kind of peace that brings deliverance and assurance of deliverance to the human soul. Did you get that? That brings deliverance and the assurance of deliverance. Yeah. He may not have brought me out today, but I have confidence that he's going to see me through. No matter what it is I'm going through, I have the assurance of deliverance of at least my mind and my soul. My circumstances may not change, but I put my peace and my confidence in God. The Bible tells us in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Wow. Jesus said, I'm leaving my peace with you. And it's my peace. It's not the world's peace. It's my peace. For many of us, we're unable to even comprehend how it is that our outward circumstances are not Uh, had an effect, a negative effect on our inward outlook. We don't even understand it ourselves. It's no surprise to anybody that when things are going well, that one would have a spirit of peace and tranquility. When you have the new home, when you have the new baby, when you have the new job, when you have the new car, when you have the college acceptance letter, when you have your income balanced with your demand to go out, it makes sense that you would be at peace. But when they're passing out pink slips on your job, when the doctor calls and says, I need to see you immediately, we have a problem. When your husband or your wife is acting contrary to what your vows said when you got married, 
The question becomes is can you manifest within you the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? Yeah, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. Listen, in the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Jesus said, you're gonna have some issues. You're gonna have some problems. You're gonna have some stuff that's gonna pop up in your life and smack you around and make you think you're anything but a child of God. And he said, in the midst of it though, you still can have peace. Christ's desire is to rule our thoughts, but he will not force it. We must surrender to him. The Bible says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let me tell you uh, something that accompanies peace. Uh, thankfulness always accompanies peace. Yeah, they're first cousins. They run together all the time. When you have peace in your spirit, you have a thankful heart. And when you have a thankful heart, you have peace in your spirit. Yeah, they're, they're synonymous with one another. Uh, they run together, they're friends like that. Uh, and the Bible here says, and be ye thankful. Isn't it amazing that there are some people who are never thankful, but those same people never seem to have a sense of peace about them. There's always something going on in their lives. There's always something wrong that's literally upending the apple cart for them. And then all of a sudden they want to, uh, believe it or not, they want to share all of that negative energy with everybody around them, including you. It's all up to me. It's all up to me if I want peace, if I'm going to allow God to rule in my heart. But not only is it the ruling of Christ, then there is the dwelling of Christ. Yeah, verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The believer is to have a heart rich with the word of Christ. Yeah. We are to let the word of Christ dwell in our hearts. Throughout scripture, this is the only time, listen to me, that the word of God is referred to as the word of Christ. The emphasis in the book of Colossians is on Jesus. And therefore, the word of God becomes the word of Christ in this great letter. Please don't look at them as being oxymoronic. They are one and the same because the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. As a matter of fact, mathematically, one times one times one still equals one. And you have three operating as one. The Greek word for dwell comes from the thought of a house. Yeah, a house. The word of Christ is to take up its residence in our hearts. None of us would allow somebody to just show up at your doorstep with a sleeping bag and their suitcases and just move in to your residence. Yeah, we, we would say, hold on, player. This, this, 
This ain't the place for that. You can't just come up in here and, and set up your place like, like you've been invited in here. Well, guess what? God doesn't come into our hearts unless we invite him in. And once we invite him in, we have to surrender to him in order that he take over and take control. The word of Christ is found within the covers of our Bible. The Gnostics were advocating philosophy. Gnosticism thinks philosophy is better than the word of God, but Paul advocates the word. Yeah, we need to get the word out of our Bibles and into our hearts. There are a lot of people that can quote the Bible. They speak them from their mouths, but they're not in their hearts uh, because they don't live it. The word of Christ dwelling in our hearts becomes a vast treasure or treasury of wisdom upon which the Holy Spirit can draw as he guides us through the varying circumstances of our lives. That's the reason some of us are able to bounce back so fast is because we have so much of the word of God in us that the Holy Spirit brings it back to our recollection at the moment you're facing a situation and or a circumstance that would otherwise throw you off track. Paul has already reminded his readers that in Christ, in chapter two, verse two and three, are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We have all kinds of ways in which to get the word of Christ where it belongs, and it belongs in our hearts. We can memorize it. We can meditate upon it daily in our quiet time. We can study it using all available aids and helps. We can quote it in conversation, reinforcing its hold upon our hearts. We can live by it. It will fill our minds, control our lives, and become our constant counselor, our constant companion, and our constant guide, if we allow it to. The systematic input of the word of God into the lives of his people will result in the systematic output of the word from our lives. Paul says that this will be expressed in two specific ways. First, it will be expressed in sermons, teaching and admonishing one another. This has to do with our public life. Paul is saying here that we will constantly minister God's word to others in a helpful way. We will help others understand the scripture and apply its truths to their hearts. The word abounding in life will be expressed just as much in songs. Listen to me. In songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Spiritual experience always goes hand in hand with spiritual exuberance. D did you get that? Spiritual experience goes hand in hand with spiritual exuberance. This is what is missing in much of Christianity today. It's a lack of enthusiasm. It's a lack of joy. And guess what? It makes the church and the Christian life unattractive to the unsaved. As much as you have your lips stuck out and as sad as your countenance appears to be, as much as you always crying and complaining, Unsaved folks say, I don't want nothing to do with that Jesus. 
As one elderly preacher once said, peering out at the congregation in which he was about to speak, he said, some of you look like you've been baptized. And the people clapped a little bit. And then he said, in lemon juice. Yeah. yeah they, they, they thought he was complimenting them when in fact he was admonishing them because they were, didn't look at all happy or enthusiastic about the word of God. I, I'm telling you, I, I've experienced that. I've seen, uh, I would think that when the word of God is getting ready to be preached, people would be excited to hear, okay, what thus saith the Lord. And there are some people who will sit there and that's their time to take their church nap is when the word of God is going forth. That's their time to cross their legs and to work on their grocery list on their phone. That That's their time to pull up their phone and believe it or not, shame to say, play games on their phones. Hmm. Christianity is supposed to be a happy faith as well as a holy faith. The problem is many of us don't appear to be too happy about what God is doing in our lives. And if God has done anything in our life, there ought to be some joy. There ought to be some uh, some clapping and some singing and some shouting for God. If God has blessed us in any kind of way. It makes no difference what the current circumstance is. The fact of the matter is the circumstance does not determine the lack of goodness on God's part. God is still good in spite of what I'm going through. The word of God says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's Psalm 119 verse one. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Yeah, it, it, it's all up to me. It's all up to me. The first thing, the first thing is I need, if I've had a heart transplant, there ought to be, it ought to be manifest, it ought to be indicative of the fact that I have the ruling of Christ that I have the ruling of Christ. But not only do I have the ruling of Christ, I have the dwelling of Christ because the word of God is the written manifestation of Jesus. So if I have his word, I have him. Amen. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, John 1.1. But then finally, family, here's the last one. Last one in verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. The ruling of Christ, the dwelling of Christ. But then here's the last one. It's the doing through Christ. Yeah, it's the doing through. And whatsoever ye do in word. That's whatever we speak. Or indeed, that's our actions. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now, listen to this. This is going to paint a real bad picture for many of us. Uh, he says that everything we say and everything we do ought to be done through Jesus, which means you should be able to attach, attach Christ's name to everything you say and attach Christ's name to everything you do. Wow. Think about the conversations you've had the past week. 
Think about the behavior you've exhibited the last week. Can you attach Jesus Christ's name to every word and to every deed? The believer is to have a heart that does all in the name of Jesus. Whatever we do in word or deed, we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every believer has a choice. We're the ones who speak on our behalf. We're the ones who act on our behalf. Whether or not we speak or act on Christ's behalf is our choice. That's up to me. The command is clearly stated here, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. But the choice as to what we talk about, the choice as to what we do is ours and ours alone. We're responsible for our words and we're responsible for our deeds. Yeah, some people are very careful in what they say, but they're not careful in what they do. Others are very careful in what they do, but they're not careful in what they say. The believer is to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does this mean, family? It means that the believer knows something. Yeah, they, they know something. They know the name of Christ is the only name that God accepts in his presence. Therefore, the only person he accepts are those persons who come to him in the name of Jesus. There is no other name given among men whereby men can be saved. Therefore, the believer approaches God in the name of Jesus Christ. That is by surrounding his life to Christ and by living his life for Christ. This is the reason the believer does not dare speak or act outside of the name of Jesus. Life is made up of decisions. And sometimes, let's be real, very hard decisions. Paul gives us a maxim, a rule of faith, a simple formula to keep us in the mainstream of our Christian walk. Everything we say and do must be linked to the peerless ineffable name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Danger always exists when the Christian life might become one of extremes. All sermons, all songs, all intellect, all emotion, all exhortation, all exuberance, both the intellectual and the emotional family, listen, they have their place in our Christian walk. But here Paul is saying, he's stressing volitional will. Paul's formula is simple. Do and say everything under the controlling influence of the saving, sovereign, safeguarding name of Jesus Christ. If we say and do nothing that will dishonor that name, listen to me, you can't go astray. If you do nothing that will dishonor that name, listen, you, you can't go out and do stupid stuff. If you do nothing that will dishonor that name, you don't get caught up in situations, yeah. If you do nothing to dishonor that name, you won't speak things and then have to go back and repent because you know you said some things wrong, in the wrong tone, in the wrong vein. It will settle, for instance, all questions about doubtful inclinations and foolish carnality. 
we cannot bring the name of the Lord Jesus Christ into the conversation, if you cannot bring the Lord Jesus Christ into the activity, then that's not a conversation or activity that we should be engaged in. L listen to me. If you cannot bring the name Jesus Christ into the conversation, and if you cannot bring the name Jesus Christ into the activity, then that's not a conversation or activity that we should be engaged in. It's all up to me. It's all up to me though. Yeah, I can, I can put my religion on the shelf. I can tuck away my Bible temporarily and behave and act a fool if I want to. But the fact of the matter is God is watching. There's nothing that's hid from him. And if we cannot ask the Lord Jesus to endorse a decision, listen to me, and a line of conduct, then we've probably made the wrong decision. Hmm. I know that's hard for some of you because I know there are many who are probably listening and you've made decisions where you did not get the input of God. And now all of a sudden you find yourself in troubling situations and troubling circumstances when the fact of the matter is God was not the one who allowed us to go into it because we never consulted with him. We made the decision based on our own desires, our own wants, and what we believe were our own needs. Listen to me, family. The Bible tells us, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God, give none offense, neither to the Jews nor the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. He said, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, we ought to be doing to the glory of him. Meaning that whatever we're talking about, whatever I say ought to be bringing God glory. And whatever I do, whatever I'm engaged in, ought to be bringing God glory. But listen, it's all up to me. It's all up to me. I can't blame nobody else. It, it's my fault. If I walk in power and authority, it's because I've trusted God and leaned on him in order to order my steps. If I walk in foolishness and carnality and sorrow, then it's because I've not leaned on God and allowed him to order my steps, but it's all up to me. Listen, family, it's, it's up to you today what you're going to do during this time. It's up to you what you're going to do when you get back to work and when you get back to church and when you get back to social life. It's up to you. So some of us, God has broken off some relationships that guess what? They hurt us, but they helped us. Yeah, because you didn't have the strength to do it. You didn't have the power to do it. So God did it in the form of a pandemic just in order to get our attention and to get us back focused on what really is important. It's all up to us. Listen to what the word of God says and we're closing. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts so that which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of
of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. It's all up to us, family. A converted heart ought to be indicative and show forth behavior that confirms and affirms the ruling of Christ. Yeah, the, the ruling of Christ. We need to let him rule our hearts. But not only the ruling of Christ, but the dwelling of Christ. And then finally, the doing through Christ. My goodness. Listen, family, I pray you receive this word and the purpose for which it is intended. I'm not trying to uh, be critical of you. I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm trying to help you and set you free. Amen. So I pray you take this word, hide it in your heart that we may not sin against God. It is all up to me. Amen, amen, amen. I received that word. Listen, family, it's time for us to go. We are out of time. We're never out of message. But listen, I pray this message finds you well, that it rests heavy upon your consciousness, not to the degree that it convicts you to turn from God, but that it convicts you to turn toward God. Amen. And I pray uh, that you would do that. Listen, family, uh, we love you and we appreciate you. We thank you for tuning in today. Uh, don't forget in this 2020 experience and all of your being and all you're doing and in all of your getting, God will be glorified. God bless you, family. We love you. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged you and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Hayes, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries. We want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Father, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified.